In the wisdom of the lectionary, Advent begins not with a festive carol of joy and hope. Advent begins with a lament and a plea. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, Isaiah cries. It's a strange but powerful way to begin the season of Advent. We are jolted out of our ordinary time and called into a time of intentional preparation and anticipation. You know, it might come as a surprise to many of you that Jesus's incarnation and birth was not a part of the focus of Advent until the Middle Ages. Prior to that, the sole focus of Advent was Jesus' second coming. In fact, it was quite common for the sermons on the four Sundays in Advent to address the last things topics of death, judgment, heaven, and hell. To what should be your great relief, I assure you I have no intention of preaching on any of those today. And while I've always been frustrated that Advent begins with eschatological passages of warning versus stories of shepherds and angels and young girls and mangers, I've at least come to a place where I can understand the wisdom of the church in this matter. Advent holds in tension the combination of God's judgment and God's promise. And while this will be, this tension will be reflected in all of our readings this Advent season, it's most clearly seen in our passage today from Isaiah. God's people are in exile. They know that they've sinned and that their state of exile is wrapped up with their sin. But they long for God's presence. And they remember God's promise that they will be his people and he will be their God. They find themselves in fear and despair, and they are waiting, waiting for God to act. Psalm 80, which also is signed for today, mirrors that same kind of longing. Three times in just 10 verses, the psalmist implores, Restore us, O God of hosts. Show us the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. Isn't this the story that we as God's people continue to speak today? We yearn for God to act in our lives, to make himself known to us, to come into our circumstance and save us. This is the longing of God's people. It was the longing of God's people in exile it was the longing of God's people as they drank in the messianic prophecy of John the Baptist. And it's the longing of God's people today. And so the church in her wisdom calls us into a season of preparation and anticipation and quiet reflection to ponder the promise that God has come to us, that God continues to come to us, and that God will come again. And yet we couldn't be called into this season at a time that is more out of sync with the world around us. Advent, more than any other season in the church year, is powerfully at odds with the rhythm of the culture. In the culture, this time is marked by rushing from activity to activity, by shopping and spending by the onslaught of family, 
or bone-wearying travel. By a string of party commitments, of massive food preparation and stressful, boisterous dinners. By over everything. Overspending, overconsumption, overscheduling, overstimulation. Instead of waiting for Christmas, our self-indulgent, instant gratification culture immerses itself in Christmas for weeks leading up to the actual event. Nowhere is this conflict seen more clearly in the, than in the common complaint from you, our parishioners, that you don't get to sing Christmas carols in church during Advent. And then because of saturation from the culture in every store and mall and radio station, you're ready to be done with them on Christmas Day instead of enjoying them throughout the Christmas season, which actually begins on Christmas Day and runs through Epiphany. The pace and expectations of this season produce anxiety. It's almost as if, as a culture, we're working hard to infuse this time with meaning because we fear that, in fact, it has none. While our outer world is harassed by rampant activity, harried crowds, and the consumerist clutter of this whole season, our inner worlds stir with longing for deep experiences of grace and connection, for moments of pregnant silence, for times of candlelit reflections on the fullness of divinity wrapped as a child. This is where we in the church can be a great witness to the culture. We can pitch our tents in a space where we observe the frenzied activity of the season without getting all caught up in it. We can protect the margins of our lives, choosing to limit our activities, focusing on those that are most meaningful and least stressful for us and for the people that we love. We can emphasize presence over activity We can set aside intentional time for reflection to embody that waiting to which this season calls us. We can use the rituals of the season that the church has given us over low these many years to help us stay in this space. The Advent wreath, an Advent calendar, an Advent devotional. We can wait to decorate the tree, to play the carols, to open the gifts. We can witness to peaceful hope in a culture that attempts to fend off its fear and loneliness and despair with frantic busyness. This Advent disposition not only serves as a witness to the culture, but it is a balm for our own souls. We are not immune to the fear and lack of meaning that we see in the culture. We struggle with it as well. Advent, with its stories of exile and lonely prophets and people of humble circumstance, does not deny the fear and struggle of life. But it does remind us that God is there in the midst of it and that God has promised 
that all things will be resolved in ways that restore us. We need to hear anew this message of hope that is grounded in what God has already done, coming to us as one of us, and in what God will do, completing the redemption of his people and of his world. In contrast to the loud, sparkly, bedazzled culture, the biblical narratives about Jesus' birth speak in hushed tones about simple, unsophisticated scenes. The babe is born in a quiet town, in an inconsequential region, to unremarkable people, and placed in a trough in a barn. This quiet, ordinary place becomes the beginning of the dramatic climax of God's great story. This Advent, let us commit ourselves to this intentional journey of watching and waiting and hoping for God to be born anew. We can't compel God to show up, but we can clear away what distracts us from hearing his quiet, gentle voice. We can reduce the external clutter by simplifying our holiday season. We can prepare a quiet place for God to renew his love and rebirth his hope in us. We can turn off the lights and the screens and sit in the beauty of our Christmas tree, resting in God's peace. This very evening, we're offering Advent lessons and carols here at St. Michael. And this very Saturday morning, we're offering a three-hour Advent retreat in St. Michael Chapel. Prayerfully consider if attending this beautiful service and or this contemplative retreat might help set the tone and pace for your Advent journey. Can we choose to be liberated from hurry and busyness this Advent? Can we pause long enough to hear God's voice and to attend to God's vision for our lives? Can we prepare a space for hope and attentiveness in our hearts? Can we keep watch like the shepherds for the new thing that God is doing in our midst? How will Jesus be born anew? How is he being born anew as we speak? This is where we will find peace. This is where we will find a stillness to soothe our restless souls. Amen.